Hi everyone, this is Danielle Parada, your host of Sip in Soma, the podcast where I interview inspirational people who are connecting, collaborating, and contributing to our communities of South Orange and Maplewood, New Jersey. Today I'm interviewing Nubia Duval Wilson, and we had a very soulful conversation about her writing. She wrote a book called The Survivor's Club, a novella that really comes out of the struggles and challenges she's had in her life. And we talk a lot about mental health. We talk about surviving. We talk about the challenges of being a parent through some of these experiences that we've both had in our lives. And it is a wonderful conversation that I want to get right to, but I do want to put a warning that the topics discussed might be triggering or might be something that is not for the audience that you're sitting with as you listen to this podcast. So just keep that in mind before you continue. And without further ado, I just want to get right to the conversation. I think that Nubia is an amazing, inspirational woman. And I hope that you enjoy hearing us have a real talk about um, just so many pieces and parts of life that are affected when you are struggling with some major challenges. Uh, Thank you and enjoy the conversation. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Danielle Prada from Sip and Soma. Welcome to the new show that we have on video. And of course, I'm still doing the podcast on audio. So you can see and hear me two ways now. Awesome. Uh, This is Nubia and Nubia Duvall Wilson. And we're going to be talking about her book today, The Survivor's Club. I'm so excited. My first author that we've talked about a book on the show. I mean, I could have inter- I could have interviewed authors before and didn't know it. But um, so you know how it goes, guys. We'll look at the camera very minimally. But, you know, having a conversation, we're going to look at each other. You're going to get to see that conversation. So yes. welcome, Nubia. Thank you. Thanks so excited me. to have you. Yes. And you live in... South Orange. Because <laughs> I think I'm getting the reputation of interviewing more Maplewoodians oh, and South okay. Orange so people, but we're changing it up. That's right, making it happen. Um, so I read your book. Thank you. I got it from the Soma General Store. So guys, just that's remember right. that's where you can purchase it. And Nubia, guys, she wrote she wrote an inscription and put it in my mailbox. How cool is that? That's cool Soma General Store stuff. That's right. Everyone will get a little personalized message. Okay. Okay. And $5 from each book goes to charity, but we can talk about that later. Yes, (laughs) yes. So are you an author? That's This is what you do, or is this something, how did this come about, this book? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, It is actually the second book that I published. Um, First one was a long time ago, actually six years ago before I had my daughter. Um, but, you know, I've always written on the side. It's just a hobby of mine. Um, I did do it professionally early on, and uh, my professional day job is PR. So um, I continue to write on the side. And um, let's see, back in 2011, when we just moved into our house, actually, 
Uh, I didn't have kids yet, so I still had a lot of downtime. <laughs> now it's a bit harder, which is why this is much shorter than the first book that I wrote. Um, but anyway, so so yeah, I, I just was I write poetry and I also do a lot of short stories, and um, I wrote this story after waking up from a dream. Uh, my dreams often often influence my writing. And especially when it's um, when it's short stories. Okay, so 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 anyway, I, I just woke up from this really intense dream, and I've been tracking my dreams since I was in high school. I've just always been into, and and I really believe that they do impact um, our lives in, in different ways. So, so anyway, I had to just write this short story after the dream that I had, and uh, and it was a dream about um, five people taking over the life of uh, of another person. And, um, and they don't know why and they're stuck in this room. So um, I literally wrote it, I wrote it pretty quickly, like on a Sunday in one sitting. Wow. You know, my husband was like working on the house. I think he was renovating our master bathroom because it was <laughs> so scary and hideous. We have such an old house. Yeah. Uh, so I had a lot of downtime. So, so anyway, long story short, you know, I, I wrote it and then I kind of just put it away. You know, I think I shared it with a few people because I was kind of like, oh, I did this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I just kind of forgot about it you know, and moved on with my life and, you know, continue to write my blog. I have a blog, Encounters with Nubia, and at that time it was Encounters with Strangers. Uh, so um, it wasn't until two years ago that I had come back to the story. Yeah. And um, what made you come back to it? I uh, had a, um interesting life event, really. I um, started remembering my abuse as a child. My daughter was three at the time, and I was, it was really crazy, I'll never forget the moment. I was in the dining room, and I was watching my son and my daughter play. They were being silly, playing under the table. And I looked down at them, and I said, I hope they don't forget that they're siblings, and that, you know, my son can never touch my daughter. And all of a sudden, I was just like, whoa, okay, uh, most parents aren't thinking that. I'm now remembering something, and I gotta deal with it. And it was really scary. Um, I had been in therapy before, so it wasn't like going to therapy was anything new, but I had taken a break. So I thought that I was doing better. <laughs> and the therapy was for anxiety. I always had anxiety and I didn't know why. I was like, I need to figure this out. What, you know, what is this from? So uh, during the process of going back to therapy and, and starting to remember and deal with this, all of a sudden I, I started going back through my old, I was like, I have a story that Kinda, I was like, I need to go back to this story, you know, and I went back to it and I realized, I was like, I can't believe I wrote this before I re really remembered, allowed myself to remember these repressed memories. And although I was pretty much a hot mess, you know, yeah. so to speak, at the time, it's like, I cannot do anything with the story now. I said, but I know, I, I gave myself like a mental deadline of like a year from now, I'm going to work on this story and do something with it to to help others and to help myself too, you know, but I, but I was like, I know I'm not in a place now to do it. Um, yeah. I just wanna say like, that's really, there's so much happening in you telling this. Like, I feel from knowing you, like you're very pragmatic mm. in lots of ways and like, I just think the way that you're approaching your health is like also like, okay, I have this 
memory. Like, I'm going to do something, but I'm going to go get, I'm going to go to therapy and talk about it. Yeah. And then, like, I wrote this story, and that's connected, and so I've got to do something with that story, and I'm going to help other people, but first, <laughs> the plan is to take care of me. Yeah, yeah. Like, and how, like, what a great lesson that is mm-hmm. for everyone. We, we, this old adage of put the oxygen mask on yourself, like, right. it has value. Yeah, like, it does. If you, if you don't put the oxygen mask on on the plane, you will pass out and you can't help anybody. Can't like, help that's anyone. the reality. <laughs> the real, like, thing. And then we talk about that, we say that in parenting, and then we kind of forget. We forget. But I think it's really amazing that you did that. So, so what was your journey like then? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, so one, the one thing about me is that as much as I could tell myself to wait a year to start on that, I'm impatient with everything else. So it was like within the first month of going to therapy that I had, um, approached the person, um, you know, the family member that had, um, sexually abused me, which my therapist was like, wow, really already? (laughs) (laughs) You want to talk about it a little bit more? Okay. You want to get right on this? Good. Okay. I really did. You know, I just was like, I I literally, I was in the shower. You know, a lot of things happen when you're in the shower. You come up with ideas, you're creative. I was in the shower and I was like, I'm calling this person now. (laughs) Crazy. Um, and I, yeah, maybe not. Right. So I did it. And again, it was just this feeling. It's like, I have to do this. And I did it, and, you know, it didn't really go that well. I mean, obviously, the person denied it, and um, which I knew was going to happen. But in denying it, he also incriminated himself. Of course. Um, and that was just really interesting, you know. Just what he said made me realize, so you you just don't want to admit to it. Yeah. You know, and, and I get it, because you are the person that you are. Um, but you also just incriminated yourself and, and I actually attempted to, to, you know, I said, I can forgive you if you can work with me on this and go to therapy and all of these things, really trying to, to show some compassion. And, um, it just wasn't, it it wasn't ongoing back and forth for a few weeks and it just wasn't going to happen. And so be it, you know, I tried, but, uh, I hadn't actually, um, approached my parents about it until a few months later, for whatever reason, and I guess because, you know, it's your parents, so it can be difficult, but uh, I needed some more time and some more prep work um, after after what had happened with the first call, um, and it was good that I did that, and, you know, it wasn't easy, but I will say that I, I know it can be difficult to tell your loved ones when you've been sexually abused, especially if it were a family member, um, but... It really was one of the best things that I could have done was allowing them to, to, to come in and understand what I was going through and also to be able to have an open conversation about me and why I was the way I was growing up. Yeah. Um, so there's just a lot of anger there that I never knew how to deal with. And by being able to openly talk about it and be able to say, like, you know, I'm not a bad person. And, you know, I think maybe you just always misunderstood this part of me. Which they had. But they didn't know. You know. But they didn't know, yeah. And you didn't know. And I didn't know, right. So like, it's just crazy. Um, I just want to, again, like, I'm hearing you talk so much about compassion, which I think that I just want to clarify for people, compassion is not permission or saying that something's okay. Right, no, it's not It's just all. understanding, like, where we all are in this human experience mm-hmm. and, like, that people do 
make terrible, terrible decisions yeah. that impact, we impact one, one another every single day. Mm-hmm. So it's really just an amazing soul that you have to like do this to help yourself and also but be willing to like understand that the people on the other side aren't just evil people but are human beings who yeah yeah terrible mistake and i mean don't get me wrong a lot of anger there still yes tons of anger yes that i'm still figuring out how to deal with you know but i think um, that part of me that is that little girl that was trying to keep everything happy and everything, you know, out of a, a lot of chaos, just trying to maintain order. Um, there's that part of you that's like, how can I still try to maintain some order? Um, which, you know, again, something that I, that I still work with every day where it's like, okay, but you had anger and you got to deal with that anger. <laughs> Don't let yourself not be angry. Right. Um, and, and, it, and it permeates in other parts of your life too, where you're like, yeah, I, I stick up for myself more wait wait a second I'm being taken advantage of here yeah. you know and maybe it comes out in the wrong way maybe I lash out on my husband you know when I should be lashing out on somebody else poor guy but uh but anyway so you know every day it's just step by step you know every day is a little different and but you discovered something totally different about yourself so if, if, if you don't mind talking about that yeah. for a second like how did that it's like this whole part of yourself that you're now remembering mm. or an experience that you're now remembering yeah. that feels like it explains who you are right? and the way you react to things in a certain way. Did it impact your parenting, your mm-hmm. relationship with your, mm-hmm. besides, I love how you talked about with your parent, parent telling your parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be totally honest, it sucked. And I felt very isolated. You know, I was like, who else? I don't know anyone else who's really going through this. I mean, at one point, I had to start going to support group in West Orange, which was great. Although what was interesting is that it was, it's a very male-dominated support group. And, and, and just, you know, with what those men are dealing with, it's very different. So, you know, I, I also still felt like I, I need to talk to a woman, you know, like another mom. who it's, it's So with that said, I, you know, I've done some things, I've changed some things to, to be able to make that happen. But, but uh, all that to say that, yeah, it was tough. It was really hard. And especially if you're the type of person who I've always been someone who's like, I've got it figured out. I'm, I'm a strong woman. I went to Barnard, you know, strong Barnard woman. We can do whatever we want. And I was running a business, you know, I'm a mom of two kids that are 15 months apart. They're very needy. I want to be a good wife. And everything just, you know, felt like it was starting to crumble. Like, What's ironic is that at the moment when I thought I was the height of my life yeah. was when this happened. I was in year, let's see, so two years. So yeah, I was in year two of my business. No, excuse me, year one of my business, and it was really going well. I was so happy, you know. And then all of a sudden this happened, and I said, why? Why now? I asked my therapist, why now? And she said, because you're ready. You're ready to actually deal with this. You have the space. And I was like, okay. If you say so. <laughs> um, so, you know, there were times when it was hard to be around my kids, and I'm so happy that now I don't have that issue. I've really worked hard on that. Um, it, there were times when I, you know, just I just became a workaholic and really just dove into work, mm-hmm. and I kind of um, wasn't in the moment a lot, you know, and so my partner, my husband, and I worked on that too. Like, okay, you seem a little distant, and, and I'd say, you can't take it personally. It's just because I'm dealing with so much stuff. So... 
Um, you know, we had little things that we would do um, to like kind of, you know, hey, you're all right. Do you need some time alone? Things that I wasn't used to, to, to talking about because I'm the type of person that I want others to need me. I want to help other people. I don't feel comfortable getting help from anyone else because I've got this. And all of a sudden I had to just be really vulnerable and, and say, nope, I don't got this. I need a hug or I need five minutes to chat with you or ca calling my friends more, calling my other siblings more, you know. And uh, so, but through all of that, I learned that being vulnerable is not bad um, and that you really can power through things and take on more than you never, than you ever thought you could. And um, out of bad can be good. You know, I, the second year of dealing with this, I started working on the Survivors Club. I was mentally ready. My business was doing well. I had brought on help. I, I actually, my business doubled my second year. Awesome. Which is crazy. Yes, thank you. And I didn't even realize it while I was doing it because I was just like, work, 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 work. <laughs> get more clients, get some help, you know. And um, it wasn't until I did my taxes that I was like, wait a second, this is crazy. I did this. I can't believe I did this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, that's just the way I, that's how I deal with things is, is you know, I'm a workaholic. So I'm also working on that, you know. Right. Too well, much. <laughs> I've gone through some of this, some some things that we can probably say are a bit similar. Mm -hmm. Like I've had my own hashtag Me Too story is what I keep calling it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so I survived sexual assault, but also like when other challenges have come down in my life, mm -hmm. because I didn't really cope with that sexual assault and didn't really, like it, it, it has made me, like I realize now having that sexual assault being sexually harassed at five, mm. being groped in a grocery store at five, made me a super controlling person yeah. as a child. Yes. Made me a super controlling person as a wife. Made me a mm -hmm. super controlling parent. Mm -hmm. And now, like, and then it, it, it manifests itself in other ways. Like, if mm -hmm. I'm yelling at my kids, now my kids have to get over the trauma of me yelling at them. Because it is <laughs> right. traumatic. Like, it is traumatic to have somebody yell at you yeah. when there's no reason for them to really yell at you. Yeah. So, like... You know, I know that my, I let my, my reaction to my trauma, like, trickle down into life. And so I became a workaholic because I didn't want to keep yelling at my kids. Mm. So I was like, I'll just work really hard so I'm around them less so I can yell at them less. <laughs> right? Right, 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 right. Like, yeah. that was the kind of crazy thinking I had. Right. But now I realize, like, no, 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 I just have to learn how to connect with my kids. Yes. And not be in control and not yell. Yes. And, like, that would be the better way to approach it. Then working myself to nothingness mm -hmm. so that I don't have to be in control. Like, it does, yeah, it's all in I, mind. I totally hear you, though. It's true. It's interesting that you, you said that, but, yeah, I had to learn how to spend time with my kids all over again. And that's crazy. I mean, I was like, what? I, but, it, but it makes perfect sense. And that's the thing. Like, once you realize why it is the way it is, and, and that's why now when I'm around them, it's, it's great. It's great. I totally get it. You know? Um, so it's a, it was a huge triumph, for sure. Uh, so. And so, like, so so you did do the book. Mm -hmm. We're coming back around. Yeah, you, so you did the book. Yes. Um, like you said, you could buy it on some general store. And, like, you even have had clubs of people, like, groups of people meet together and talk about uh, it. Yeah, so we've had, uh, um, I forgot, Soma, Soma Dressing Race, I think it, 
Let me get some of it. I'm gonna get some of my action. Sorry, I can't remember Jennifer. Which one? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mommy brain. But uh, yes, they, we'll put uh, it up. We'll put it up, guys, so you can find out which group read yeah, it. Yeah. Um. They. It was their book of the month in August, and then. Uh, Amy Howland and I have made it the uh, official book club book for book club for busy people because we're busy. Uh, Look how small, you can read oh, it. Oh yeah, it's listen. I read it in a sitting. Yeah, you can read it in it's a, a sitting. It's a short story. It's for the the book for the busy brain, the busy mom, yeah. the busy person. Busy person. You know, I I will and it, I will never be that person that well. I shouldn't say never. Maybe when I'm like retired and, and really like have nothing to do all day, I could sit down and write a novel. But I, that's just not how my brain works, and uh, I like I like short and instant gratification, you yeah. know. Uh, so when I went back and I said I'm going to expand this, I knew in my head it wasn't going to be a full novel. Um, I kind of had a timeline. I wanted it to come out in 2018. Uh, I wanted. Um, the conversation nationwide was growing on this topic, and so I knew from a timeliness standpoint, from a PR standpoint, yeah. that I would be good to have it come out in 2018. So, so yeah, I had a deadline, and but I didn't want the deadline to hamper, of course, the the, the story. Um, so one of the things that I did was I incorporated my dreams um, into the Survivors Club, and. Uh, one of the reasons why is uh, they were a big part of my healing process. And if you look up um, dream therapy, it is a thing. Um, I actually was recently quoted in a story on medium.com about dream therapy. Really? Yeah. I love medium. Oh, I know. Because if you're not looking at medium.com, I, I should start like reposting some of their stuff because it's so, it's this interview. It's so real. Yes. People are talking about their real inner thoughts. Like we, we have these kind of floaty sort of pieces we put out there and it's like we're trying to get everything into mm. one tv show and wrap it all up with a bow <laughs> you can't do that like in yeah. real life it's just we have these thoughts we have these experiences we react to them we have these connections we make with people and mm -hmm. it's, i just love the writing there um this i think the, the this magazine of theirs that they just launched i think it's called the great escape i'll send you the link to the yeah, story it's actually okay. done really well because i think people are fascinated by it um, and I'm sure there are people who are skeptical too, but for but there's there's there has been research papers about this as well, how dreams can really help you heal um, from a traumatic experience. And so one of the reasons why is that when you're sleeping, your brain is still active and your brain is processing emotions that you've been burying and it manifests in these you know visions in your dreams. And so I literally, because constantly repressing emotions because I'm so controlling, <laughs> can't feel anything. Um, that I would be like, oh, that was an interesting dream, and I would write it down. And what's, if you want to track your dreams, um, to those um, listening and watching, I would say um, the best thing to do is to wake up in the morning and write them down. Yeah. Now that can be difficult if you're a parent and you know you're you're okay. dealing with you know the chaos in the morning, um, which is me. So I actually write it down in the evening. But I've been doing this since I was in high school that I've trained myself to remember them. That's great. So the important thing is think about it in the morning. Wake up, think about your dream. Think about those emotions you felt in your dream and try to hold on to them until you can write it down. So I have, um, we're going to do this in three steps. Mm -hmm. Here are the three possibilities you can do when you wake up. One mm -hmm. is if you can, write them down. Right. Two, writing is not your thing. I don't know who has this on their phone. I have it on. I have an iPhone. Mm. I guess I'm plugging iPhone now. <laughs> they have this great voice memo oh, app that comes on the phone. Yes. This is how I got started with my podcast. I just, I have 138 voice memos. Wow. 
Like, and those are the ones that are unnamed. And there are a lot that are named. So I think I have hundreds, probably yeah. like pl- 200 plus voice memos that idea. I just would wake up. And that's how I journal. I voice journal. Yes. Or third, you have no time. You are brushing your teeth. Think about your dream. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know? literally. You're going like, to the bathroom. Think about right. that dream. <laughs> think about that dream. What's the emotion? What's it? And yes. then write it down or voice journal it at night. Yeah. So you have three possible entries into thinking about your dreams. If that's something that turns on, yeah. or you think it could be helpful, um, I love like science is my jam. Yeah. And I just think, yeah, your brain is working just because you're sleeping. It's not like it goes off. No. Yeah. So of course it's processing things. Dreams. I wake up in the middle of the night and and write mm-hmm. lately. And I used to be like, oh my god, I'm supposed to be sleeping, and I'm like, but I'm not. <laughs> and the universe has given me this idea. Right. I guess I I could write it down. I could try to go back to sleep. Um, I could voice journal it. But, like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go back to sleep because it's, it's right. got to come out. Right. It's got to come right? out. Right? Yes. So, yeah, and I I feel like I used to kind of shame myself for being mm-hmm. up in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Well, when, you know, that's a whole shed shame. Hashtag yes, no shed shame. shame. Like, no shame about anything, but... That's something that I'm, is another control thing. Like, yeah. I have to sleep eight hours. Like, yeah. I, I want to be a rule follower. Let me follow that rule. Right, right. And so waking up in the middle of the night, that messes up with my eight-hour rule. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so fix that up and just get up and write it down. And, oh, well, lo and behold, I'm, like, asleep, like, as soon as I'm That's done the thing. Writing. Once you're done, you fall back asleep because you're like, okay, I don't have to obsess <laughs> over it while I'm trying to get back to sleep. <gasps> yes. Like, yes. usually for an hour, I'd be, like, thinking about it, and then it's like, okay, fine, I'll write it down. And then I'd go back to sleep. It's like, well, I... Just took an hour of ruminating. I could have just yes. been producing. Yeah. Right? So it's if true. I produce at midnight, sure, why not? <laughs> no. I mean, it's so. true. It's true. It's like, I mean, even for insomniacs, it's like a rule for them. If you wake up, it's good to get out of bed and, you know, do something right. and then fall back asleep. Um, which I know isn't always easy to do because your bed's all nice and warm and comfy. But, um, but yeah, so... That's great. So you track your dreams. So yeah, track and that dreams. helped you. That helped me expand that, along with just expanding the characters, the yeah. character development. So we don't want to give things away. We, ta- we talked about this extensively. <laughs> like, here's the thing. Get the book. Get it on film and general store. Read it. And then my advice to someone as a reader, not as the author, is... Just let the story sit with you. Don't read the epilogue. Yeah. Don't read the epilogue. Let it sit with you. And just think what you think about it. Nothing's wrong with what you think. Because it's all your interpretation. And then read the epilogue. Read more about Nubia's story. And then I think it would be really cool if you got together with a group of friends and talked about it. Yeah. Yeah, And just like... We can learn so much from each other. Look, you're doing what you said you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm going to publish the book. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help other people. Mm-hmm. Helped me. Mm-hmm. No, yes. Because yeah. we all need that tribe of people. Yeah. Like, oh, I've been through this too. I've mm-hmm. been something like through this that's like seven degrees to Danny, right? Mm-hmm. Like you had yours. Yours is very specific to you. I have a similar story that's very specific to me. Yeah. But we can talk about, like, how do we move on? Right. How do we parent? Yeah. How do we walk through life and have a business? And, like, sometimes, like, how we have to take a deep breath and be like, yeah. that sort of hit me. Yeah. That residual anger, that residual resentment, that residual why me, why them, why am I still dealing with it now? Right. But I know I can, like, now I have somebody new that I can text. 
Mm-hmm. And say, hey, Nadia, I'm like, I'm struggling today. I want to go have a cup of coffee. Not even to talk about that, but just to be around somebody else who has survived and thrived. Yeah. In my mind, I had said to myself, I'm going to succeed. This is not going to to, to make my life, you know, I, I'm not going to spiral and have this, mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to just sit in a corner now and, and, and wither away and cry every day. And that's okay if you want to cry every day. But my point was, I, I'm going to overcome this. Right. And I want others to know that they can too. Is it going to be hard? Yes. Every day there's going to be probably something that will remind you of your abuse, that will maybe make you a little nervous about your kids and their safety or other people's kids. But you know what? It's better for you to be aware and to know that because you don't know how you could help someone else. Um, And I also, with this book, I did not make it a traumatic experience reading it. I didn't want it to be something that like, if you look at the, the stories out there, whether it's a book or a movie about sexual abuse, it, it can be kind of traumatizing to watch it or well, read it. It's very they, graphic. They keep the sexual abuse as the plot line. Right. 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 Like that's, the, that's what's driving the plot. So you constantly, you have to see it. Yeah. And I think that that could be okay for somebody who maybe we want to build empathy in who's never experienced it. Mm-hmm. But I can't watch things like that. Yeah, no. It's I way too, tra- it would set me back months yeah no because it's just and because it's my empathy my empathy for another victim yes is so deep that i i cry just thinking about a movie Mm -hmm. like i'm thinking about one right now and i could just oh yeah just hearing i don't even want to say the name because i can (laughs) because then i'll think about it and i'll internalize it and i never even saw it Mm -hmm. because even seeing the the previews of it were triggering yes and that's what people don't understand Mm -hmm. is that you know and i can only equate it with anything anybody who's ever been hurt in life and then you have an experience that reminds you of that hurt (laughs) you know yeah like you're punched in the face and then you walk down the street where you were punched in the face there is a bodily visceral reaction typically yes unless you're suppressing so much and then it's going to come out in other places Mm -hmm. so like the the abuse that I've experienced is part of the fabric of who I am. I don't cognizantly, consciously think about it all day or every day or every other day or every month. But it is part of who I am. It's informed who I've become. Right. And it comes out if I don't take care of it mm-hmm. and the feelings around it. Right. Like there are feelings that come out around it. And, then, and like Kavanaugh, the Kavanaugh stuff has been something that has been... Yeah, it's been tough. It's been really tough. And you see a lot of people struggling. Yes. And I just want people to understand that, like, you can avoid the corner where you got hit in the face. You can just take a different path. Mm. Where mm-hmm. somebody like me, who has been sexually assaulted, somebody like you has been sexually abused, when it's on the television every day, when it's on the headlines every day, when it's all the people are talking about, it's a water cooler. Mm-hmm. Like, it is in our face every day. We can't take a new, we can't decide to walk down a different street in the, instead of the street no. where we're punched in the face. No, we can't. It's just not possible. It's not possible, no. So we have to take care of each other, which is why I think your book is so important. <laughs> Guys, still get it. But we have to take care of each other. You're starting a new tribe of people because people who read this book are like, if you read the Survivor's Club now, it's like, okay, either you are um, an ally. If you're reading it and talking about it, you're an ally, you're an you're an empathizer, you're compa- you're showing compassion, you have compassion, you're building, there's got to come out of that in some way. Right. If, or you've experienced it. 
mm-hmm. or you're really close to someone who's experienced it and them telling you and you being there for them is different now right after being a part of a tribe where you're sharing your stories and i think we're at a pivotal point in our world because this is becoming like everybody's telling i mean i really think that people are becoming very clear about telling their story mm-hmm. i don't have any shame about telling my story anymore mm-hmm. I'm just like, it is a fact. Okay. Yeah. Get get used to it. And like, yeah. everybody, let's take care of each other. Let's take care of each other and help each other through it. And and I certainly have never been punched in the face. But I know that if somebody sat with me and they've been punched in the face, like, I feel like I could give them empathy and compassion because mm-hmm. of my struggles. Right? Mm-hmm. Instead of these shame, like, what, what the terrible thing that was done with Dr. Ford is the, sh- the shaming is just... Yeah fully unnecessary and somebody said Bill Maher brought up something I think it was mentioned like but do we just believe and I was like people don't tell stories like I really don't feel like people tell stories I feel like why would you make up a story about sexual abuse I don't understand it doesn't make any sense to me nothing else better to do but just well that's the thing like look you know I could have Similar situation, right? My parents have the choice, right? They can believe me or they can say, well, he said he didn't do it, so you're lying. And I can go, I really have nothing to gain here. If anything, I could lose my entire family. And that's that's horrifying for mm-hmm. most people, right? Yeah. So the fact that I'm actually opening up and telling you this, I'm ready to lose it all, but I have to say it. Yeah. You know, um, and so it's... It, 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 it's it's a very complicated situation um, and so I hope you know that people who have yet to tell their story to their family friends or whoever you know it doesn't have to be on a large platform like through a book or you know on an interview but you know if you are out there and you have been abused and you've been keeping it inside and you feel like you can't talk about it but you want to um, you know, I, I do recommend opening up to someone. Um, maybe it's just a therapist, you know. I mean, and that's one of the best people to open up to because they can really help you. I, I One thing I want to say before we close out is that I, I started a Facebook group. It's a secret private Facebook group, so you cannot find it if you search for it. And it's called the Survivors Club. And it is for people like me, um, people who have survived um, child abuse, people who... Um, have not have been abused. People who just are bipolar or who are depressed, who um, are more apt to being in a closed group than to maybe, you know, wanting to be open about it with friends, and they just need a safe space to to connect with others. And um, I'm really proud of it. It launched around August time, so we we've got a hand. We got a good group of members. I'm actually adding someone new this week, um, and it's turned into an amazing support group. I mean, we're not posting in it every day, but you know, I try to post once a week something inspirational um, and people will post and go, hey, you know what? I'm about to start a new job, for example, and I'm really nervous and I just need, you know, like someone to like, give me a virtual high five today, um, things like that. And they're like, oh, you're gonna do great. And it's just, it's just amazing. Um, So there is a, I do have a survey uh, if I don't know you personally, and I I do have a survey because I want it to be a safe space. So um, if you go to thesurvivorsclub.us, so it's the title of the book, thesurvivorsclub.us, because I'm on tip.com, 
don't have $3,000 to buy it. <laughs> um, if you go there, you'll learn about the book. I have my book trailer there. And then if you scroll down, you can learn about the Facebook group. And there's a link to fill out the survey. And basically, it's just, you know, you don't have to give me your name. But I do need your email address to add you. You have to be on Facebook to be on it. Um, I do recommend that people are in therapy, you know, if they're going to join the group, it's just helpful, but, um, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm sure you have rules about, like... Yeah, there's rules and stuff, but, I mean, again, it's it's a safe space, and so far it's been going really well, and so... Um, That's so awesome. <laughs> it's things like, I mean, it's things like this that give other people hope and faith. Yeah. So there's like, oh, I hope I'll survive. And then it's like, oh, the faith that I will survive. I'll survive. You know? Yeah. And then it's, we're prevent, you know, you're preventing a lot of people from, you know, doing things that could just hinder their ability to right. move forward. To thrive. Yeah. yeah, to thrive and to live. Yeah. I mean, like a lot, and I just want to say this because I feel like I need to put a fine point on it. A lot of people who are assaulted and are abused commit suicide. Yeah. This is. Suicide, and alcoholism, dro- you know, yeah. drug, drug abuse. And a lot of those things go by the way of killing yourself with, right? Yeah. If we're not suicide, like, immediate, it's like just going down this path where oh, you're yeah. just not living life. You're slowly killing yourself, yeah. right? Instead yeah. of living life. So I feel like it's really great. I mean, we're, we're all trying to do our part, but I love that you wrote the book. Guys, please check it out. Pick it up at some general store. I'll put a link for that. And then um, if you do need help, there are lots of organizations organizations. to reach out to, but you do have one that's in our community. We're so lucky to live in South Orange and Maplewood because, you know, Nubia is not the only person who has been very vocal about Mm -hmm. surviving challenges in our town. And so very, very grateful that you came on the show today. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much. Guys, reach out on Facebook, Instagram, and all of that good stuff, and I'll put that at the end of the show, too. But thank you so much, and we are out. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. I learned so much from Nubia. I hope that this was a helpful and informative episode for you. And that you'll think about purchasing her book. It's the greatest idea for a book club because it's definitely doable to read in a month. And this topic is so relevant and prevalent in our society. I think it's worth having more conversations about it and more conversations about how we can shed shame and support people who are struggling with sexual abuse and sexual assault. I really appreciate that Nubia came on the show And I just want to thank you again for listening. Please check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and this show will also be up on YouTube shortly. Thank you, and I'm out.